Hey listeners, it's Paul Andriola here. Why not join our community at Small Cap Discoveries where we offer our members direct access to some of the best microcap investment opportunities available. Our members are getting access to premium microcap financings, research reports, and direct access to management. Sign up today at www.smallcapdiscoveries.com. Hi everyone, welcome to the Small Cap Discoveries conference call. Today we have back the CEO Kyle Hall from Ineotech. Ineotech trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol INEO and on the OTC under INEOF. The company is currently trading at 29 cents with roughly 60 million shares outstanding or about a $17.5 million market cap. I'd now like to hand it over to Paul Andriola. Hey, thanks a lot, Trevor. Um, we were just joking uh, ahead of uh, starting here as far as when we last spoke. It's been a while, roughly a year since we last spoke. So lots happened since then, Kyle. Um, I, uh, you know, love to get into sort of some updates, but before we do that, why don't we sort of refresh everybody's memory and uh, let everybody know what Ineotech does. Yeah, thanks guys for having me here. So Ineo Tech Core, what we do, we have a patented system that we put at the front of retail stores that serves up digital signage and collects data analytics for the retailer. And we do it under a SaaS model. We, um, we charge the retailer a fee and they actually can make money off these systems by putting their own advertising on there, charging their brands to put advertising on these systems. So it's quite a unique system. Uh, the loss prevention is, is interesting because um, you know, all stores want to decrease their loss, but really for us, the loss prevention serves us a real strong purpose is the fact that it's the space at the front of the store. These systems, loss prevention systems, you walk into any retailer, there's those systems that detect tags on clothing or labels on boxes, that type of thing. And, you know, they set up an alarm when, uh, when an item hasn't been sold and somebody's actually stealing the product and leaving the store. Um, the space at the front of the store is reserved for those. So we basically use that space as Trojan horse in a nice big digital sign. To, to run marketing on and to collect the data analytics. Now, I, I remember when, when we spoke last, um, you know, we talked to a number of uh, subscribers. I, I mean, it's a real neat concept of what you guys have. It uh, clearly there, there's a, a need for it. Um, you've, uh, you were relatively early, I'll say, you know, as far as the business when we last spoke, but why don't you, why don't you tell us what, what's happened uh, over the course of the last year? Yeah, so I think the last time we spoke, we, we were rolling out a small liquor store network in the Western Canada that we could prove to large retailers that one, the technology works, two, we can operate this system, three, we can scale it. And so we, we grew that network to about 140 locations. We're, we're putting advertising on the screens. We're actually making money off that network. And at one point we thought, well, we'll just keep you know adding small retailers and we'll just grow this network that way. But as we, we went through that, we realized that our, our we were getting traction with majors, with a big, big, you name a big name retailer, you know, we're, we're presenting to these guys right now. And our energy is really switched so that we're focused on these multinational retailers. And so um, that's, that's kind of where we were when we were talking to you. But at the same time, we were looking um, uh, to sign a deal with a very large security company called ProSecure out of Spain. And they are one of the world's largest security companies, about uh, 3.8 billion euros in annual revenue, um, mostly in the guarding and, and alarm monitoring CCTV, but they had a loss prevention division that they'd, um, they'd purchased and moved into the US with this. They're quite strong in Latin America, quite strong in Europe, but they just entered the US and they wanted to use loss prevention as a way of entering retail. And then of course they can sell them all their other services that they have. And I, I believe when we spoke last, we were just in the early stages, we were getting close to a deal. We actually signed that agreement with them. 
so it's very um it's a it's a very pivotal deal for us because ProSecure is going to on a worldwide basis sell our product, manufacture our product, distribute it, and um and do do the installs uh, at the retailer. What that means is that Inio will only do the SaaS components. We will do the content management system that puts all the advertising screens. We will run the analytics system that takes the, the data off of it. So they'll take care of the hardware. They'll take care of the feet on the street and we will become the pure SaaS player. Um, perfect relationship. We will share revenue with them um, on a retailer by retailer basis. So um, I think uh, if, you, if we flash back a bit on that liquor store network, we're pulling in about $500 per month per store. These units cost us about $2,500. So you know, we're paying for them in five months and making some money. With the large retailer, um, our, our target still is in that $500 range, but now we're gonna share that with ProSegure. We will pull in probably in the 200 range. Got, they've got the hardware, they need to have their, their margin on top of it. We'll only get about 200 per store, per location, or per system, per location. Um, but it's pure SaaS revenue at this. We don't have the hardware. We don't have the people out there to install it. it that's all removed from us. And we can scale quite easily on a SaaS basis. Um, you know, 500 retailer locations, we only need one person to support them. You don't support 500, you only support the five that any issue on that one day. And so we can scale now to where we want to be with the thousands of stores, not just hundreds of stores. Kyle, tell us a little bit more. Let's dive into that a little bit more in terms of um, what, what, I mean, what really do you provide? Like, do you provide the advertising or does the store do that? You know, what, what, how do you carve out your piece uh, in terms of revenue share? Anything you can tell us about that? Yeah, great question. So with the small liquor store network, as we were proving it out, we were selling advertising. We were putting ads on those systems, making money. But for the very large retailers, they, they want to control those screens. They want to control the messaging that they put of their own on it. And they want to control the messaging that comes from the brands on it. So the, the, the methodology really is at this point, we offer a service to them between us and ProSecure, supply the hardware. We then run the content management system, the dashboards, everything. We give them the tools to do it, but they will put, sell the advertising. They will put the, the branding on it. If you think of a large retailer, you know, large grocery store, uh, you know, pharmacy, whatever, think of all the brands that they have in the stores. Those brands pay a listing fee. They pay mm -hmm. monthly fees to be on end caps, to be on signage, to be um, to be in their flyers, all that. Yeah. This is one more thing that the retailer will charge those brands for to promote their product. Um, if you walk into a Rite Aid today or a CVS, they'll have those traditional loss prevention towers at the front of the store to prevent the theft. And, and typically they have a cardboard sleeve over top of it mm -hmm. with L'Oreal shampoo on it or mm -hmm. you know whatever the promotion is of the day. And they've got to print those things, they ship them, install them every month. So it's already a known entity that they're running advertising at the front of the stores. We now give them a digital screen that they can then run through um, five or six messages at a time. They'll flip through every eight seconds. Turn, they can run mm -hmm. video on it. Much more eye-catching for the customer. And because they're eye-catching, because it's digital, they can sell it for more. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why we say, say $500. Say that's the fee that the retailer is going to pay us to have these. They can make up to $1,200 per month per system mm -hmm. by filling them at standard inventory um, you know, cost per million or uh, cost per thousand um, uh, advertising rates that uh, the industry charges for digital signage. You know, you think of all the billboards around town right now, all those billboards are starting to go digital. And there's a reason right. for that is because they can, they can sell those billboards for almost 10 times what they could sell um, a standard one for once it becomes digital. Mm -hmm. and I, I assume, I, I just dawned on me, but um, you, 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 these systems should be able to track people that come back, you know, in and out. 
So there's a bit of a digital count of how many people are likely to have seen that advertising, where if it's a, if it's a cardboard cutout, you really don't have any clue if anybody's walked past that. Correct. And, and that's a big part of what we offer is we're offering the science, but at the same time, we're providing the analytics, the proof mm -hmm. of performance. We're going to tell the, the brand how many people actually saw their message. Um, and then the retailer gets that, that very accurate traffic count of how many people come in on the store. And they can use that for things like conversion metrics. So, mm -hmm. you know, we had X number of cash register sales. So we had this number of people in there. What's our conversion? Do we convert better if we add an extra salesperson on the floor? Think, think of the average retailer trying to find somebody to help you now. They can actually mm -hmm. do that A-B testing. Let's put somebody there to help our customers. Do we sell more? Or if we don't, you know, they can make that decision. We make, do we sell more if we align the shelves so people turn right when they go in and go to the back of the store yeah. versus staying at the front. There's lots of things that they can do once they know what that traffic is at the front. A lot of the big retailers, the really good retailers have put traffic counters in. We give them hyper accurate traffic counters that also detect uh, gender and detect age. And we do that with the AI that we built in our system. Mm -hmm. And we don't say, you know, that's Kyle or that's Peter or that's Paul or whatever. We, we basically say that's one to the database. We count one mm -hmm. to the database, no privacy, issues here because we're not creating bionomeric profiles mm -hmm. of people. We're not storing their picture. We're just doing a count. The technology is actually there that you could actually recognize people and note when they come back, but society isn't quite ready for that. Mm -hmm. And and the privacy laws don't allow for that. So we are not doing that. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, at this point, I want to remind everybody, if, uh, if you have any questions you'd like me to ask Kyle, feel free to use the chat function, as, as you know, and I'll do my best to, to ask uh, the question. Um, so I noticed, uh, going back through some of your press releases, um, you, you've had some small partnerships, you've had some, you, you've acquired, I think a company called securetags.com. Why don't you talk a bit about your partnerships and, uh, and, uh, this acquisition if you can. Fair amount of work we've done on the advertising side. We signed some programmatic ad partners, uh, Vistar Media, which we announced this morning was, mm -hmm. uh, the latest in that they are the largest programmatic out-of-home display advertising uh, player in, in the market. And why that's important is you think about online. You don't call up a website and say, I want to advertise there. You go in through Google. You go in through Acuity Ads. You go through uh, all the companies that have created the programmatic team. You, you say, I want to you know, target this demographic, and I want to advertise in these sites, and you, and you place your ads. In the out-of-home market, you used to call up JC Deco. You'd call up outdoor media, or their sales reps would pitch on which which signs that they, you would advertise on. Well, now there's a programmatic layer starting in front of it. Vistar is the biggest in the US. Hivestack, which we've signed with, is the largest in Canada. And basically the, the brand, um, I'll, I'll name one here, Kraft Heinz, Kraft Heinz um, advertised on all our systems in Western Canada. They basically paid for, you know, they, they logged in and said, we want to advertise in all these locations in Vancouver. What are the screens available to them? Oh, there's Bell Media, there's Patterson, there's Lamar. Oh, there's Ineo screens. And they just chose our screens and advertising started to appear on our screens. We'd never talked to Kraft Heinz. We you know, had no idea who the players and the ads just start showing up because we're in this programmatic channel now. And you think about for brands, you know, a brand saying, oh, you know, we, you know, the Super Bowl's in LA this weekend. I want to advertise at the corner, you know, at the interchange of the, the 10 and the 405. They can log into Vistar, pick all the screens at the corner of you know, the 405 and the highway in uh, Interstate 10 and, and advertise on them with a click of a button. And so that's what programmatic is doing. So that's why Vistar is quite important to us for what we're doing in the U.S. And that, that side of the business is just growing. So there's been a lot of energy to make sure that we're, we're set up to fill these screens. We've got tests underway in the U.S. We've got large retailers testing our units. And once they start rolling out, we, we want to be ready for that. So that's one reason there. Securitytags.com was a bit of an opportunistic um, purchase for us. When we first started, we 
we, because we're taking that loss prevention space at the front of the store, we um, bought a small loss prevention company just because it was easy. They already had customers and we could go into the customer and say, hey, you're already our customer. Let's take that old unit out, put this new unit in. And that's how we got those 140 liquor stores. And um, we, so we sell, still sell some of those loss prevention tags just because we have this little division that does that. And one of the companies that used to bid against us for Google ads and, and, and online ads was securitytags.com. And we kind of followed them because we liked them. And we realized that you know, there's some alignment. And they were owned by a, an Australian company who really didn't want to operate in the US anymore. And so just course of knowing them, having a conversation, um, we bought the, the business off them. So that gave us a customer list in the US, kind of like with that list that we had in Canada. They had some very unique customers in there that made a lot of sense to us because there's some of our targets where we want the welcoming system to go. And it also gave us a more of an e-com presence to, to help um, tie together some of our things that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And do you, do, you see, do you see more M&A opportunities? Are there other uh, sort of niche uh, operations that you want to purchase? Yeah, at, at one time we thought that, you know, maybe this is a good strategy. We'll roll up some of these small loss prevention players. They'll give us this customer base, some, some extra revenue. And we, we bought Newman Loss Prevention, another Western Canada player, um, the Tech Tag we bought. And we, you know, we were able to buy these companies fairly cheap, but get these customer bases. But now with our focus on the large retailers, we're kind of stopped that in terms of the loss prevention space. Security Tags was a bit, like I say, opportunistic. Mm-hmm. But going forward, I don't think you'll see us do a lot on the loss prevention side. But there is some on the analytics side. There is some on the technology side there, uh, for sure. And definitely there is in the, in the um, media advertising side of things, um, um, the technology pieces that we're adding to our system. So far, we've built pretty much everything that we, we have ourselves. We own it all. We built our own our IRP. Um, but there's some nice bolt-on pieces that will be out there that will be worthwhile at the right price at the right time. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, um, what, what sort of challenges do you face in 2021? Yeah, you know, I thought, when we went to the large retailer, that IT would be a problem. In my past business, I think I told you before, we, I, I built a company that put all the online photo systems in for Costco and mm-hmm. CVS and Walmart and that. And at that time, we had to put a PC between the photo equipment in the store and our online systems. And the biggest hurdle we had was getting a system into the store um, through the IT department. Well, these large retailers we've been testing with, IT, we, we're done in a matter of hours. So we're like, you guys need this, this, this. We, you know, we're sophisticated now. We've got good brothers. We can set up network segments remotely. Boom, they just did it. And so that, that was a breeze. And we, so we got through ops. We got through IT. The, the, the stranglehold within large retailers seems to be the marketing departments. So we're now you know, honing our game for how to actually um, make our system much more appealing and not so much the system, the, the system, the program around it and, and getting the marketing department to understand what they can do with our systems. And a lot of that is around, we call them the welcoming system. It's really around what is the retailer's welcoming strategy? What do they want to do when the customer enters the store? You know, they, they've spent money to get in the store. They, you know, they've done all their brand recognition that they can do to get them to the store. Now, what do they want to have them do when they get there? You know, do they want them to go to the computer department first? Do they want to go, you know, electronics department? Do they want right. them to go to the grocery area? And um, what is the message that they have to do? And so we're spending a bit of time there to, um, like I say, fine tune the, the pitch so that the marketing department can understand much better what they have to do. They all understand, you know, the, the money side of it, getting brands mm-hmm. to advertise, but how can they enable their stores to be advantaged by having these systems? Mm-hmm. So that, that's one thing that's been interesting for us. Um, We've, I think at the time we told you we, we, were, we were signed with ProSecure because they had some good customers and some good customer bases. We've gone out in the meantime and signed some up ourselves. 
Um, we haven't announced any of these things yet. And um, if anybody's heard me speak before, one of the reasons why that is when you're in a pilot stage, you, you there's really no contract in place, right? And we signed some NDAs and we, we put them in and it's a test basis. And once they get beyond pilot, that's when we can start announcing these things. And, and pilot is like one store and then they'll say, well, let's do five, you know, and we get five stores. And then after that, when we get to that rollout where we can actually um, push, you know, wide out the door and we'll sign contracts and we'll be announced. So we're kind of in this in-between land where we've got some really cool things going, but we can't really tell anybody about them yet. That's always a struggle uh, to, yeah. to, to keep it quiet. Um, I mean, what what do you foresee in 2022? What what sort of um, either challenges or where, where do you see sort of new opportunities uh, presenting themselves in 2022? Yeah, um, ProSecure, because they're a worldwide company, it's very active in Latin America and, and Europe. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're shipping systems, test systems, like almost continuously to Latin America right now, mm -hmm. Colombia, Chile. Um, and so that's going to be interesting. So it, I think if people want to know how to rate us this year and how to track us, I would say this is the year of the deal for us. Um, revenue is going up you know, sequentially quarter after quarter. Our revenue is going up. We're pretty happy with the revenue, where the revenue is for you know, the stage we're at. Um, but it, I think it's got to be about getting these pilots to deals, right? And, and um, being able to announce the things that we have. And that, that'll be the, the marker for future because if, if we turn those into deals, they're going to roll out and we're going to get thousands of stores in the next year or two. And that's when the revenue will come. But this year, you know, the, the, because we're in these pilots, we got to get them to the deal stage. And so in deal stage, when we start announcing those, I think that's when people should be very, very interested in what we're doing. So watch for deals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah retail, retailer deals specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the event that you get a, a large retailer, is there any logistics issues you might face like these, these, uh, you know, the equipment, um, you know, how fast can you ramp up to you know, some of these retailers are big, right? Um, how, can, yeah. how fast can you keep up with their demand? Yeah. A fair question in this day and age, you know, supply chain issue for everybody, mm -hmm. right? Um, we have the capacity here to produce about a hundred a week right now. We had Greg was over in the ProSecure manufacturing facility, which is in Eastern Europe, Czech Republic. He was over there in November. And um, we're spinning them up to be uh, a manufacturer force as well. So units will start coming off of their line and they can produce probably in the 500 to 600 a week if necessary. Mm -hmm. So we're not gonna be installing that number per week at, the, at this point in time. So we've got capacity there. The other problem of course is the supply chain, getting the parts that we need. And um, we're doing what everybody else is doing right now. We're buying everything possible that we can. We're hoarding parts, mm -hmm. which makes it worse for everybody, but everybody's doing it because you're going to run out and, um, you know, the display screens that we used to be able to get on, you know, four to six week notices right now, they're like six months out. So we're, we're prepared on that. We probably over inventory for what we like. You know, Greg is a Greg partner, my partner here, the founder, mm -hmm. he's big on just in time, you know, inventory lean manufacturing, but um, because of the nature of the supply chains, we're, we're actually hoarding mm -hmm. some inventory. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, Kyle, you, you started off, more or less selling to smaller outlets um and now you're looking at some bigger opportunities what what's has the sales cycle changed now, now you've sort of had you know another year under your belt um give us a sense of what the sales cycle looks like for you guys yeah the sales cycle is quite quick on those smalls like mm -hmm. customers remember i told you they're almost like they're already captive customers and we we're able to go into them and just change them almost at will um 
the the bigger retailers, it, it's a long sales cycle. You know, we're we're probably six months in on a couple of them right now. Um, and you know, we have units in store, and now it's about getting them over the finish line to get them into that rollout stage. Um, one of them, we had two units that we installed in November, I believe it was October, November, and we just are installing another three units this or next week. So we'll be at that five, and that's kind of what we said as the, yeah, they can't keep asking for more units, right? They got to either move on or not. But uh, we said, yeah, five makes sense. Let's get to a, a five. That's a solid number. Gives you lots of data of what's going on mm -hmm. with the systems. It um, it shows what we do in the background, how we service them, and how we you know we monitor and maintain them. Mm -hmm. So um, that's kind of I think what you see happens. Um, with a large retailer, they, they don't move very fast in initial stages, but once they say go, we'll have a solid rule of schedule. Like, say we got a, a you know a chain that's fifteen hundred locations, mm -hmm. they would say go, but we wouldn't do fifteen hundred a month. It'd still be over about an eighteen to twenty four month rollout. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and and what what can you? I, I guess a question we always ask is like new initiatives or new products. Is there any new features, new products, uh, or anything sort of? new that investors can watch out for uh, for the business? Yeah, so we hadn't patented, we had our core patent, which is mm -hmm. a utility patent, which combines loss prevention with a digital display screen. And that's our key patent for securing that space in front of the store. Mm -hmm. And I, I will note that the final agreement with um, ProSecure, they, they, they wanted in there and we didn't see any downside to it. It's nothing but upside is they want the right to defend our patents. So if they're going to help us, you know, distribute this product worldwide, mm -hmm. and if a, like a sensormatic or one of the other incumbent space came by and tried to bleed us in some kind of extended lawsuit or tried to do what we were doing, thinking that we didn't have the wherewithal to go after mm -hmm. them, ProSecure wanted the right to do that. Wow. And um, and uh, they looked at our patents, they analyzed our patents, and they said these are highly defensible and they're strong. Mm -hmm. And so that's our key patent. We filed a couple more. You know, we were a small company. Patents are expensive at some yeah. level and we hadn't done it. So now we're catching up on some of that. So there's two more that are now in the filed stage, um, a couple more in the works. And so that's key because that, that's defensible for us, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if we have a partner that will will spend the money to defend them. Mm -hmm. The other piece that um, that um, we're doing is just some extensions on that technology. Like we're, we're doing um, more within the machine learning around um, the analytics that we're collecting. We're doing a lot more on the analyzation of that and so that we're delivering the retailer with these rich reports, which for the small guy, we, we kind of hand them to him, but for the large retailer, they'll pull that in and, and combine it with other data sets. So, you know, other data that they're collecting within the store. And so we, we've created a Power BI front end to it, um, kind of standardized with Microsoft, but we can export that into SAP, into, um, you know, uh, Oracle, whatever else they're using within their systems. Mm. Um, and that that's key because we need to exist inside a larger retail environment where we're not going to do everything, but our data is going to be quite important to them. Um, we got a question that came in. I might as well ask this one right now. Um, do you share the SaaS revenue in the ProSigar uh, distribution deal? Um, yeah, so the way we're setting it up is there's only going to be one bill to the retailer um, mm. and it's going to be you know, for the argument's sake, let's say five hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. Prosecutor supplying the hardware; they're installing it, and we will take a piece of that revenue. So, you know, arbitrarily, I just you know, rounding off, say two hundred dollars, mm -hmm. that'll come to us. They'll carry the, they'll get two hundred dollars, and the hardware cost is about a hundred dollars a month, uh, amortized over five years. Mm -hmm. So that's we are sharing revenue with them, but um, it we're trying to make it seamless that one of us will be the vendor of record to the retailer and mm -hmm. be fronted by the other, and um, we will just do our piece in the background. 
Remind me again. So the the Prosker, um, the uh, the deal geographically, where where is it? Uh, where is it? So we end up we end up signing worldwide with. Them. Okay. Yeah, mm. yeah, and we gave them um, a first right of refusal on um, on other you know on the markets around the world, meaning that mm. um, we can't sell to light competitors unless mm. they don't hit certain goals. So okay. if they're hitting the goals, then we're, we're fine. Um, if they don't, then we, we have the ability of going to sell to other people to sell to. Mm -hmm. So yeah. when you say worldwide, like if, if you were to go and, and get the local, you know, drugstore um, oh. yourselves, um, are you able to do that, right? Or yeah, we're, we're not, yeah. we're not obligated to do everything through them. So okay. in the meantime, the, the deal with Coaster, we didn't sign until November. And so we didn't wait for them. And so my history was I was out selling to those retailers in the past. So we mm -hmm. went out and we were pitching them hard. There's a couple of these retailers that have tests underway that we're doing all by ourselves right now without mm -hmm. them involved. We probably will bring them into it. Mm -hmm. You know, if I had to roll up 1500 stores right now, mm -hmm. you know, I'd have to raise more capital. It's probably better for them to supply the capital and for them to do that and us to share the revenue mm -hmm. and get the pure SaaS revenue in the end. We'll make that determination at the time, but mm -hmm. um, we, we do have the capability of still doing, you know, the smaller players ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, Kyle, what, um, you know, what, what does your balance sheet look like right now? Give us a sense of sort of the financial status of the company. So end of our last published quarter, which was our um, September quarter end, which was we put out in November, we were at 4.4 million in cash. So we, um, we completed our second quarter. So we have a junior end. So our second quarter ended December, and those numbers will come out uh, on or about February 28th. Perfect. And the 4.5, um, does, does that get you where you want to be? Like, like, um, you know, do you foresee doing another financing? Um, you know, what can you tell us about what sort of the potential financing requirements look like for the business? Yeah, we, we would love to not do another financing. <laughs> um, you know, as uh, right now, Greg, myself, board, and other insiders, we're about 30%, just under 30%. Mm -hmm. And you know, so we're still well aligned with shareholders. Um, but obviously that's come down from before we were a public company. And so, you know, we'd love to keep that, our own positions as high as possible, as much as our own investors. So we, we'd, we'd rather not, um, we're burning about 250,000 a month right now. So that 4.4 gives us lots of runway, even at our, our burn right now. Um, even assuming, you know, if you assume that revenue doesn't increase in the next few months, but revenue is going in the right direction. Um, those costs are manageable. Um, we're investing quite heavily right now in R and D we're investing quite heavily in um, our, our work with um, Postgre on the sales side. So that's added to our burn. Um, we're increasing some of our, our investor relations type uh, activity. Um, we wanna be ready for when these retail announcements come out that we can push the story out wider. So mm -hmm. we've got some marketing going in the background. We've got some things being set up there. So you know that, that 250 could come down if we had to. But um, we think it's advantageous for the company to keep spending where we are right now. It, mm -hmm. it, it's definitely an investment in our future. So I won't say no that we won't do another raise, but we're definitely not going to do it in the next year. Now, earlier you touched on sort of what investors should watch out for, and you mentioned deals. Is there any other catalysts uh, or, or any other metrics that investors should keep their eye out to, to see that you guys are executing? Yeah, so you know, I think I think it is really just the standard there. It, it's going to be how many deals that we can get signed with these large retailers, and then mm -hmm. you know when we sign those deals, investors can tally up the number of locations. So this retailer has fifteen hundred. This retailer is thousand. This mm -hmm. retailer is four thousand. 
And then, you know, that will show where those future revenues are going to be on the SaaS model, right? And how many locations. Um, I, I think, you know, progression on technology has to happen. If we're not innovating, if we're not staying ahead, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, that would scare me as an investor of a small tech company. Um, so watch us on, you know, patent filings, watch us on new product announcements. And, and as we, as we type things in, um, and I think the other thing is, you know, just, um, the talent, um, you know, it's, it's a tough environment out there for tech companies to keep talent on board. And we're doing a really good job of the people that we have, and we're hoping to add some more talent in the near future. Um, you know, we're about to wrap up here. Um, always like to give you guys an opportunity to sort of give us a, a parting message or a key takeaway. What, what, what do you want to make sure that everybody who's listening today really understands about Indio? Yeah, I think it's really around the message that we are now, what, four months into this ProSecure relationship. Mm-hmm. They, they are very promotional as well. And when they launched our product, they re, we call it the welcoming system. They renamed it uh, for what they, when they're selling it, ProSecure Evo. And they, uh, they've done a good job uh, on, the, on the promo side. Any loss prevention industry magazine or website or blog is talking about this product right now. They've created a groundswell of, you know, let's change the model of what loss prevention is. It no longer needs to be buy hardware and, and have antiquated mm-hmm. hardware store. It's now an ad-supported model that is in line with what the retailer wants and, and gives so much more. And they're, they've done a good job of taking our messaging and pushing that on a much wider scale than we could. So I think the final message to, to investors or anybody that's interested in an investor is, you know, watch that partnership, watch for those deals. Um, that, that is the harbinger of where we're going to go. And um, it's all about execution for us with that, with ProSecure right now. Fantastic. Um, Carl, if somebody wants more information, uh, what's the best way to get it? Either your website or, or what, what contact uh, should they uh, uh, yeah. go after? Yeah, the web, website's great. And um, we can IR at ineosolutionsinc.com. That's uh, our, our IR that's monitored daily, and we can respond to that. Um, and um, I have no problem with anybody picking up the phone and calling us here at Ineo as well. There's that phone number listed on our website. If you ever want to talk, give me a call. That's the beauty of uh, being a microcap is uh, you can phone the CEO directly. That's exactly. awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well, perfect. Well, thank you so much. We've been speaking with Kyle uh, Hall, CEO of Ineo Technologies. Um, Kyle, it's great to catch up with you. And uh, we certainly look forward to catching up with you in the future. Great. Thank you, Paul. Excellent. Thank you.